You've been lied to, but you don't know how. You've searched, you've struggled, you've cried out. You want the truth, but where is it? You've wandered, you've fought, you've strived, and you have not been satisfied. What is truth? Where is truth? Who is truth? The kingdom of God. Mind control. The last days. Higher dimensions. Unity. The power of faith. Discovering the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. God has promised that he will hide us under his feathers and under his wings we will trust. His truth shall be our shield and our buckler. Discovering the Truth with Dan Devon is the premier program that is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is designed to show you how to become more than you have ever imagined through the power of truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And now, prepare for your host, Dan Duvall. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. This program is designed to send to you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is a production of Bride Ministries, and you can find us at www.bridemovement.com and www.thefireplacechurch.org. Now, folks, there's something really exciting I want to talk a bit about today, and that's... Um, that we have been working on a new website for BrideMovement.com. I'm really excited. I think that this um, next move that we are making is going to be a, a really positive thing. Uh, it's going to make the sharing, posting, and uh, you know, circulation of our prayer resources uh, quite a bit better. Um, among other things that this new web interface we're going to be uh, putting up is going to open up for us. So so I'm really looking forward to that. And I also am really looking forward to some, some new uh, relationships we've been making at Bride Ministries with uh, different individuals around and ministries and ministry. You know, cool thing is that God seems to be orchestrating divine appointments. And uh, I'm just really excited because, you know, folks, I see this year a transition happening where, you know, for for, for the most part, a lot of what we've done has been very fringe. And not that it's not fringe, (laughs) but it's been fringe in the way that most of the efforts that I've made or attempted to make towards building relationships with uh, pastors, leaders, and different individuals in the body of Christ, it has not amounted to much fruit. And it seems that that is shifting. It seems that there is suddenly a, a bit of awareness beginning to arise um, in certain pockets that what 
we have done and what we have uh, really ventured out into is something that is actually relevant for the body of Christ at large. So I'm just really excited. I, I think God is doing some awesome things. I was talking to all of our facilitators at the Fireplace Church just this past weekend, and I said, I think this is a new season, and I think this is a, a, a season of expansion. You know, we've been through a lot of tests, a lot of challenges, a lot of huh, fiery trials, and, oh, man, attack at Bride Ministries. And, and, and you know, um, that that being preceded by a, a, a lot of rejection and, and, you know, this is general stuff. But I, I, I see this season as something to be very excited about. So I'm, been, I'm just very encouraged. And that's really all I'm trying to say here, folks. I uh, do want to let you know uh, we have some books available. Uh, you can always join us every Sunday night at 7 p.m. CST at thefireplacechurch.org. Um, I had kind of mentioned that we went through some financial attack and and I haven't really gone too much into it because I'm not a complainer. I'm not a whiner. I, I, I just don't do that. I just believe God. I walk in faith. I speak his promises and then I apply wisdom to what's available to me. But I am very excited to say we're, we're back into the flow now finally of beginning to take people off of our DID coach waiting list thanks to your generosity and I'll tell you what the more generous you are the more people are coming off that waiting list plain and simple that's just the way it is we we don't have a lot of expenditures beyond what we're spending for the fireplace church and um, this podcast and the work that I'm doing personally at this point and so we're able to apply right now uh everything we raised above and beyond that just right to survivors and um so i i i'm just gonna say hey guys if you want to support bride ministries i, I want to encourage you bridemovement.com thefireplacechurch.org also you can write to us at p.o box 6173 texarkana texas 75505 we really appreciate whatever you guys are able to sew into what we're trying to do here because you know I mean, look, this this is a very long list. I'm not going to lie. People that are on the bottom of the list at the rate things are going will not receive help for years. That's that's the kind of demand that's been placed on the message that we are communicating, folks. This is the situation. So, and, and, and we're just at the tip of the iceberg. I mean, even so, Bride Ministries right now, we are just at the tip of the iceberg, which is why eventually we're going to put this DID coaching school together. Also, something we want to invest in and save up for. Um, hard to do without capital, but, <laughs> you know, we're working on the different solutions. I want to pair this um, ministry with profits from real business. If I, you know, end up having to build a business myself, well, God will give me the grace to do that. I don't know how this is all going to work. All I know is God is good and he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, folks. And I believe that, um, well, you guys have helped us get this far. And I just want to thank you for that. With that said, we're going to get to our program and we're going to be talking again with Hope, who's done one interview with me so far. Get ready uh, to pick your jaw up off the floor. Uh, you may want to provide yourself with a pillow or some other kind of protective device. And we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall.
Folks, today I am sitting here with Hope, and Hope is joining us again to talk about, well, quite a number of things that are going to be shocking, that are going to be uh, mind-bending. She is an Illuminati defector. Uh, she has done quite a bit of work with uh, one of our Bride DID coaches, Ruthie Andrews, as well as myself. Uh, she, however, has been on a healing journey for years. And the last time we had her on, we were just beginning to get into her story. We are so excited to have her back. Um, Hope, welcome back to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Thank you so much for having me. I, I really, really am grateful that you are giving me the time to share my story. Well, Hope, I'm really grateful that you're willing to share your story. And, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I said this the last time, and I often tell the survivors that come on my program, I commend you for your bravery. This takes guts um, and it comes with a price because there is always warfare surrounding any telling of information. Um, and I am just uh, really, truly appreciative that you are willing to open up, to be public, and um, to allow your story to bring answers to other people. Absolutely. It really is what keeps me going. Um, to know that the Lord can use me to expose the darkness and to help other victims um, so that people can actually see the truth and know that this truly is is something that's going on and to raise up people. Um, my prayer is to raise up people to, to help other victims so they can get free. Mm, mm, mm. Amen. Well, last time, Hope, uh, you had articulated quite a number of things um, I learned uh, from our first interview. You talked about um, <laughs> how they play with the genetics of the children that are being born. You talked about astral projecting certain body organs. Uh, you talked about how they um, did programming on you in the first five years of your life in the uh, hospital mm -hmm. and um, you know that's basically where we left off and I, I, I kind of want to just pick up right there and, and folks if you're listening to this and you have not heard the first part of Hope's testimony you can find that in our archives and um, I, I invite you to, to, to listen to it and to get caught up now they they tortured you, Hope, in different levels of consciousness as part of the programming. Why don't we start there? We pick back up at, you know, that five-year-old age range and, 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 and talk to us about that component of it. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, after our first um, podcast, I really felt like the Lord started um, just kind of bringing more and more truth about the, the way they did the programming around um, just the, our different levels of consciousness. Um, that was done throughout, you know, the first five years of my life. Uh, and I felt like that it was really, really important 
for people to to be aware of that because of um, just on a daily basis the different things that actually the Illuminati has in place to to cause people to go into trance-like states. So, for example, um, with the torture, as far as for me, um, they used uh, different machines that would cause stimulation to my genitals on purpose to where it would cause me to go into a different level of consciousness. So it's not just a one-time thing. They would do it over and over and over and over. Um, to where literally my mind would go, try to go to a different place to get away from that. Um, and um, not only with the sexual uh, stimulation, but with uh, that a lot of times they would inject me with sugar. Um, and sugar is pretty much used throughout my entire programming from infancy um, to get me into kind of an altered state, uh, like a fog-like state, um, to where they can begin to put um, different thoughts and different uh, sounds uh, to cause me to, to think different things. Um, and, uh, for example, just recently the Lord was showing me specifically um, about how they would inject me with sugar, and then when they would inject me with sugar, they would get show me a picture um, of someone's brain. Um, whether it was my brain or not, I don't know, but they would show me how my brain would change when the sugar went into my veins. Now, they had already prepped me to, to show me that my brain was literally um, an evil brain is what they said that they my brain was wired to be a child molester and my brain was wired to be a killer that everything about my brain if I looked at the way it was responding um, that that meant that that's who I was so when they were doing these different things to me they were forcing my brain to have different changes and then they were telling me that I literally that's who I was that I was this evil person that had um, these you know demonic um, you know a pedophile or I was a killer all these different things and then they would show me a brain and and say that you know here here this this is proof um, and then they would say well okay sugar sugar will keep you from being evil and so when they would in inject that it would change my brain uh, chemistry um, and it would show that you know what they told me is that my brain was actually changing and it was keeping me from being evil uh, uh, as well as like when I was watching TV they would say my, see your brain is changing it's keeping you from being evil um, an example like also like with the phone with the telephone see it, it's changing when you're on the phone it's changing so they were making me think that all of the I had to have sugar I had to have uh, the TV I had to have these phone calls when 
the reason they were doing that is because literally that is what they were using to control me because when the sugar wow. yeah the sugar and then the the tv and the 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 uh, waves of whenever you're on the phone Mm-hmm. They actually can put you into like a translate state. Um, I mean, it's proven you see a lot of um, parents that their kids start playing these video games a lot, and they are literally in a translate state. Um, in in a lot of the TV shows, for example, just recently, um, I saw uh, my husband likes to watch some sci-fi sometimes, and. Um, you know, I try to be a good wife and watch along with them. Sometimes I get really stirred up. But, um, mm-hmm. for example, the um, movie Arrival, um, it has specifically has um, where they have um, these the aliens and they have a different language. And the language is represented with a, a O, which to me was very telling because the Illuminati, a lot of their conscious level, um, they, they characterize that with an O. It's like Wizard of Oz. The Oz is a totally different network, a totally different frequency, a totally different conscious level. Um, and so in the movie, they would take, they took her into that different, um, conscious state and literally you can see her on the TV she's in a a translate state it's kind of like a numb kind of feeling and um, you can see see that um, like that trance come on her but what they're doing is they're desensitizing people to think that oh that's at one point like oh that's just from a movie I mean that doesn't mean anything you know um that's not true, but the reality is that is what the Illuminati is going to use to bring in, well, they're already doing it, to bring in what they want to bring in, to control people's minds. Um, that's wow. what sugar does. That's what TV does. Um, you just have to, it's like people have to be aware so they are kind of on guard from those things because their agenda is if they can get people numbed down enough, and at the end they can pretty much put whatever they want out there, and it's going to cause them to do what they want them to do. I believe they have a, a term called predictive programming. Uh, you know, I well, thank you for sharing that. And so they were prepping you to be controlled, essentially with all of this and they were taking you into different states of consciousness as they were doing all of this to you mm-hmm. yes oh absolutely um, because in the different different levels of consciousness you're just in a heightened state mm-hmm. and so they're able to actually get more power that way because from that heightened level they're able to, to actually get a lot more demonic power. And uh, so that they really want, you know, people to be in that state so that they can, uh, you know, with the torture and all of that, they, they're actually getting more demonic power. And it's, it's just, it's 
harder to explain that to people than the actual physical realm. You know, it's harder for people to believe that that really, oh, that could really happen. But we do have different levels of consciousness. Well, and I know that that's true because we deal with it all the time. And, and folks, I mean, I... I, I know that most of you are aware that even in traditional psychology, they will talk about the conscious mind, the subconscious mind. Some even take it so far as the superconscious mind. I believe that that aligns with the biblical revelation of the soul, heart, and spirit. Um, and different activity is going to occur on different levels. I, I don't um, see any any confusion on the language you're using, Hope. And, um you know, what, what you're saying, I know to be true. And uh, I actually have looked at some of the things that um, the powers that be have done and concluded that they are actually targeting a principle. Um, and that principle is that whatever resides as a dormant understanding of how society should manifest um, whatever resides uh, along those lines within the hearts of the people comprising that population will be what takes place mm -hmm. so really I, I, I had a revelation I'm like they want to put their program inside of the subconscious of the populations they're targeting Yes. And if they get their agenda in the hearts of people, they can run their show. And then I said, this is exactly why God is after the heart of man. Because if God can get his program in our hearts, then God can run his show. And that's going to be in complete contradiction to their garbage. And um, hence the beginning of kingdom thinking. You know, so I, I, uh, I, I really love the way that you're breaking all of this down, Hope. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I think the thing that that it's all something that's against our will, mm. you know? Like, I mean, for me, of course, every single thing that um, was done to me was against my will. Um, and then also when I think of, like, these different things that the Illuminati are putting out in the open to try to, um, to des desensitize and program and and get people in these trance-like states, it's it's a program because, bottom line, they're not coming out and say, hey, this is what we're doing, and then they have a choice. They're doing it, and no one knows, so they don't have a choice. And the thing that I love about Papa God, he always gives us a choice, always, no matter what. You know, we can choose if we want our minds to be filled with you know with the word or if we want it to what what we want it to be filled with that's true that is absolutely true hope um at some point they flew you to india why okay so when they were done with the um the very foundation of really setting on my programming and getting me to kind of the product, what they would call it, that they wanted, um, they took me to India. And, and the whole reason 
that they took me to India was specifically to lay another layer of denial into my system. And, and what I mean by that is they put me, when they took me to India, they put me in a room that was filled with rats and, and uh just all kinds of spiders and, and I was naked and um, they had poked my eyes so they were red, shaved my head, um, not giving me any food. So there's like complete deprivation and complete torment going on there. Um, and uh, like I, I had no idea that until later on where I actually was, but they did find me on a, on, on a private plane in a cage over there, over to India. So I really had no idea exactly where I was. Um, so once they had me in that, then they would bring in, um, I just remember a lot of, um, I think they were probably military, uh, police um, and they would just write me over and over and over again to really to where um, I was almost completely to where lifeless um, and then at that point they brought Randy Regina um, I'll just say that that's their names. But my, my um, programmers, they brought them in. And at that point, um, they began to say, uh, now if you forget all of this, if you forget these things, then we will take you to the American dream. And we'll take you to... America where everything will be perfect but the only way that you can go to America is if you believe and say that we're we're good and that we're we're perfect and that nothing bad has ever happened to you um, and so at that point they prepped my mind to get me to a place that I would do anything at that point to forget this and be able to go somewhere else because you're you want to have some hope that things could be different uh, and so that's the whole point of, of why they took me over there and did that specifically oh my gosh I am so sorry so they flew you there in a private plane in a cage were you alone i don't remember seeing anybody else uh during that time uh -huh. i just remember um the being in what I, I i knew we were in the air and i was in a cage um so i'm not really sure i'm sure there probably were other but i was kind of separated out um I didn't, you know, I didn't see anybody else around me. And roughly how old do you estimate that you were when this happened? Um, at this point, I would say I was probably right around five. Oh my gosh. 
and so after the plane landed, they, that's when they just took you and put you in this type of pit or wherever mm-hmm. they left mm-hmm. you in, in the state of deprivation. Right, right. Now, a part of it I know was done in the train system, which I know now is a big way that they do a lot of trafficking and everything in India is through the train system because that's one of the major ways of transportation. Um, and the reason I say that is because even today, like the, the, the sounds of the train bring back kind of just a anxiety for me. Um, you know, they did a lot with the train as far as um, a lot of witchcraft. Although there was, uh, they have a lot in India. They have a lot of white witches, is what they call them, um, and they bring them in to do a lot of the uh, rituals um, to do a lot of. For example, one of the other kids that was over there that was white like me um they always have you bond with them so however they choose to do that whether you're you're cold and you're trying to stay warm or if you're the only other person that's in the room they try to cause some kind of bonding and then they normally what they do um that way is you'll feel some kind of um responsibility for them after they get you to bond, um, then to cause that intense pain, then they ca- they end up killing the the person that they let you bond with, because then you feel responsible. Um, and then so um, almost all of the rituals for victims is something like that to to cause your heart to be just ripped and and at that point you're trying to to protect um and that's how a lot of times they get you to take on different positions like well now the only way that he's going to get to go to heaven is if you say hey I'll, i'll be a white witch um, so that's how they get you to agree to different things like that. My goodness. Um, now, talk a little bit more about the race component of what was going on there. Well, with the Illuminati, of course, they believe that there there's only one pure race. There's only one race that you know, the, the Aryan, the pure race. So, but what happens is um, they give like a false um, pride mm-hmm. to a lot of the different um, people in different countries that may have a lot of, they're dealing with a lot of witchcraft or they're already in satanic things that, you know, they're already kind of delving into that to, to say, well, we can we can um, put you in our race if you kill so many people or if you do so, so much. So there's always a manipulation there um, as far as race. It's always, you know, we have the the chosen race here. Um, 
so that that's really their goal there to to try to manipulate. But I mean, when you, when you get to a certain level, even in the other countries, um, at that point you're motivated completely by pride anyway. So they're not they're not doing that because they're uh, some of them are not doing that because they're deceived. It's just they want the position and the power. Now, what does the title queen have to do with um, what they put you through there and also in general in the Illuminati? Well, for me, for example, um, they took me to Africa as well. um, And they give normally any of the, the white children or the ones that... They've already pretty much told us that we're a mixed breed as far as for me. Um, They give us this, um, it's like a false sense of importance and they will call us like the queen of India or the queen of Africa. And um, what happens is they have mainly specifically in uh, Africa, they would have men come in and rape me over and over and over again, but they would tell me that that actually meant that I was, you know, this queen in their country and that they were worshiping me and that um, I actually had power over them, but it caused a deep hatred and a confusion on the inside because it's like, I'm a horrible person because I hate these people, but why wouldn't I? They raped and raped and raped me. Um, and so there's a lot of confusion because it's like you want to have a, a place of acceptance and think you're important, but I was a very warped and sick way um, to, to get that, you know. And um, they, they had already programmed me from birth really that sex was the only way that I would ever be free so they based all of the the future programming on that you know that sex issue um, to just where there was a demonic stronghold a demonic uh, principality kind of over that that they call them principalities over that specific position um, so it's just, it's a, to try to, to control our minds. Mm. Now, was Africa around the same time that India happened? Yes, on that, both of those were before they actually brought me to, outside the hospital to America. Mm. Um. That was both. It was just another le- another layer of programming to get me to where the denial would be very, very strong in me. So after setting all of that denial in, was that when you actually found some exposure to public settings in the U.S.? Yes. At that point, then they brought me... Um, to a town here in the U.S., um, and it was a very small town uh, of German descent, and um, 
that's where we went. It, it was in Kentucky. They did a lot of programming around uh, previous to that to get me to speak in a southern accent. Um, you know, kind of like the the sweet southern draw because that was what my program was supposed to be. So that's where they took me um, along with uh, another boy that was who was probably maybe three years older than me um, and he was designated as Jesus for me like that's who I bred with um, and they bonded us to have a strong bond but also did rituals uh, to cause us to hate each other as well so then we wouldn't tell anybody it was just kind of a, a double bind um, programming to where um, they, they do that with with all uh, victims they they don't want you to get close enough to where you could possibly talk and start beginning to your program to 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 fall apart so they do a lot of um, well see they're over there um, doing this and saying this about you they hate you or they'll they'll cause them to um, be a participant in the torture so it it was um, at that point we were they had taken me to Kentucky and uh, it's a very small town and um, at that point they began to bring me you know out in the open because I was at that point a finished product. Now, when you were moving into this town, for outsiders, it would have looked like a normal American family, two parents, two kids were moving in. Yeah, absolutely. It would have looked like a perfect family. Um, He was a um, school teacher. Mm Mm-hmm. And they didn't speak with the German accent. Of course, they didn't do that when they were out in public. Um, she stayed in the house. Um, they went to church at a Baptist church. Um, so everything about what they looked like, everybody would have said, oh, well, that's a perfect family, which fed into the programming. The denial programming. Now, my question is, do you believe that your programmers, which were posing as your parents, and, and then you know you and your uh, so-called brother, uh, were planted in that city for a reason? Like, was there an assignment for the four of you in that city, or are you not so sure on that? No, I'm absolutely sure that there was. Uh-huh. Um, all of that is very strategic. They have a grid um, on the U.S. They have a grid on America. And every single town, every single city, every single, um, you know, at place that they have on that is 
chosen specifically. So what happens is when they choose the specific spot and they plot it on on the um, the map in their grid, then they can cause kind of like a a whirlwind in a way to where they summon all the demons in and cause the them to to really kind of have a um, like a bubble in that area um, of deception. Um, and really the whole point for that is that to set it up for the end, for the end times, uh, to when they want to bring their plan um, into, you know, the U.S. or, you know, overseas as well, of course. So people would often think that the worst kind of person in their town is going to be the the, the so-called town criminal <laughs> if there's <laughs> such a thing as that anymore uh, yeah. uh, uh, but you know what you're suggesting is that this radical evil came in the package of the perfect american family yes exactly i mean just like satan came as a angel of light they knew that just like with hitler and all of that uh -huh. they did it out in the open and it didn't work so their whole point was to make sure that this was under the surface so that people wouldn't be aware. It would be a lot easier to, to um, trick people and to use their agenda because people weren't aware that it was even going on. In that city where your family moved... Um where was continuing programming taking place? Was it taking place in your house or was there a specific area of the city? Were there a lot of other strategically planted families? How did that all play out? Well, I mean, there were definitely places where they went that they had specifically for, um, channeling demons to where they could kind of channel, uh, different parts of the world it kind of in a way it's like a portal mm. I don't know if you've heard a lot about like the Native Americans and stuff and how they would do a lot of chanting it would cause a portal that's specifically what they do but normally it's it's torture and sacrifice and all that and they, it opens up a portal to where they can communicate to different areas of the world and, and cause more uh, demonics to come through but one in specific was um, actually in the school that I went to because um, he was a teacher there, a coach there. He had access to all the keys and all the areas within that school. Um, so that's definitely one area. So they used the school. For programming yes um, they choose different places throughout the world that they're going to use as kind of like concentration camps mm -hmm. um, towards the end and normally that's where they do a lot of the testing and um, for me they did a lot of the mingala type of brain uh, testing to see how a person holds up on uh, you know, electrocution to see how they hold up on uh, 
the different types of torture. It's just really to to study the brain to see how they can program better. I mean, that's exactly what they were doing. Um, but they choose those specific spots because they can channel and and close a portal so that that really is kind of an open door for the enemy continuously now let me ask this question okay so for an outsider looking at your family they they see the perfect american family what would an insider look for to know that that's not what your family was my biggest um, word to people would be, I think, I think, not I think, I know the Holy Spirit gives us kind of a feeling in our in our spirit when something just is off, mm-hmm. um, something just doesn't feel right, or like, uh, I don't know that this is what it seems, and I, and I think that more and more, I think, We've been not that's been numbed down a lot on purpose, um, but I think it's really important to go with that and to ask the Lord why you know you're feeling that because He's giving that for a purpose and a reason because we kind of look with our physical eyes instead of with our spirit and being led with our spirit. Um, and so I think it's really, really important to be led with the Spirit. And the Lord is really going to, if there's a way that they can help or anything that they can do at all, He's going to let them know through just a just a weird feeling or something's not right here or, um, you know, something like that. Um, I really believe that instead of judging it by the physical realm to to really go with what they're feeling in their spirit now have you recovered enough memory of like that season in your life to articulate a typical day uh for you right you're they're six years old whatever uh living with uh, parents that are not actual parents but programmers um Mm -hmm. person that is not an actual brother but looks like it um you know you wake up in the morning what does that day look like well it definitely doesn't look like a normal day um normally i would be i would sleep in the doghouse or would sleep in the um underneath the house um, they definitely had a room for me. It was for show, um, but I didn't sleep there. Um, they took pictures like I did. They took a lot of pictures to make it look and appear that way. But so that you know, I was going on deprivation of because most of the rituals, the corporate rituals, happen in the night. So I'm going on deprivation of sleep, you know, hardly any sleep. So when I do wake up, the main thing that they would do was cause terror early in the morning. Um, They wanted to make sure that they caused that because they didn't want any possibility that I might go, somehow my memories start breaking down. 
So the main thing that they would do in the morning, um, they would say to me, you know, somebody that loves God would get up and uh, read the Bible or pray. They would say that, but then they would say, but you're evil. So if you get up, then this is what's going to happen. And then they would show me some kind of dead animal or dead body part and say that that's what you did during the night. So this is who you are. And um, so really you're evil either way. Um, and then they would give me maybe five minutes to get ready and to, to and I was supposed to look perfect, you know. Mm. So then I, it was in this heightened, like, you know, extreme anxiety that then I would go to school. And, of course, after that, I'm not going to say anything to anybody. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. they already had people in the school. They had teachers placed specifically in the school that were programmers of course, not all people, but they didn't let me have any kind of contact with anybody that would possibly, you know, not be able to get through to me, you know. My goodness. And then when you left school, how would that play out? Normally, when I when I would leave school, um, I would have to ride the bus which I hated doing that because at the end of our driveway was a um, a um, cemetery and it had they had already told me it had people that I had killed so when I'm walking by that I'm already thinking you know it's just a constant terror just constant fear, you know, constant torment. Um, and then at that point, when I I got home, I mean, I either had to go back to the doghouse or underneath the house. I wasn't allowed. Um, they did have me watch TV some, and that was only, they would put me in front of the TV and say, watch this and learn how to be this person and then if when that program was over if I wasn't able to act specifically like that person then I got tortured so it it was just always constant pain oh my goodness and then things would proceed into the evening would they put you to sleep and then wake you up shortly afterwards when there were rituals at night yeah a lot of times they would put me like would they would give me drugs um uh, to put me to sleep but then force me to wake up so that's already kind of a torment kind of place um they they never would allow me to like it was never a deep sleep you know it was very light sleep but but normally um I don't know, I probably got maybe two or three hours of sleep a night, probably if that. Now, backing up to the school, you said that 
the man posing as your father, who was really your programmer, he was a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, he had the keys to the school. You said that they did programming at the school. Mm-hmm. Um, is there more that was going on there? There, with that, I mean, there were definitely high-level people within the the town. Um, I mean, that that place was not chosen just by accident. It was chosen because they had people to take the high positions to where they would have control over that specific spot. So, for example, like the the principal of the school, he was a programmer, um, and uh, it, it you know they could, if there was things that were going on during the night there. Um, they have watchers, I mean, that, you know, kind of summon in the demons to to help them to, to know if there's any kind of sound or anything going on around there so that they could alert somebody to tell them they were coming in. Um, I mean, they're very good, I hate to use that word, but they're very good about covering their tracks. They're, they use the demonic realm. Um, I mean, even for example, people when they're talking, they have the ability to cause, as they're talking, to cause a trance-like state to come upon the person. So, um, to to be able to cause them to not really see them for who they really are. Um, so, I think it's really important to call to to always have your warfare and your your um, trying to think that all of your armor on, you know, each day. But they were doing a lot of, uh, like I said, a lot of uh, brain um, testing, a lot of, you know, torture through through that within the school. That's where they were doing. They were, I mean, it was, there were so many different rooms in that school to where they could do that and not be found. And just so that I understand, was this <laughs> going on primarily at night or did some of this programming actually occur during the school day with children they had access to? Now, the the deep level stuff was done at night because uh, they didn't want any possibility of anybody finding out. But... There was programming going on during the day because there was different victims that went to school there, and there was some programmers. So they would speak a word, and it meant a certain thing for that child, or they um, touched them in a certain way, or they, uh, you know, there's different things that they do specifically. For example, if they were to touch their nose, then that meant that. You're, you know, you're going to get in trouble at, after school or, or you go in here and do... It's whatever they programmed that child to do. So, I mean, yeah, there was definitely programming going on. Um, it's just things that would have not been able to be detected. That makes sense. Now, what was this component of hunting? Well, one of the biggest um, 
ways to cause terror was they would um, say, okay, well, we're, we are giving you a head start and um, Satan you know, is going to come and find you. And so then they would tell you to run and then you would, you know, you would run and try to hide as much as you can, but you knew you were going to get found, you know. And so it was just for their amusement, really, to see that terror and to be able to really cause that in a human being. Um, I mean, that's the main thing that they were trying to do as far as that. Okay. Now, um, at a certain point, uh, they paired you with another girl to act as a twin. What happened there? Well, what they had already really, um, in the hospital, already did a lot of left brain, right brain programming um, that... So the left was evil and the right was good. And so um, they pretty much got you to believe that you you were a twin. Like that I thought that I was a twin. I had a good twin. I mean, a good person. I had a bad person. So the good was denial and the bad was like remembering all the things, you know. So they just carry that over into you know, into my childhood, um, they brought another girl that we looked a little bit alike and they would dress us alike. Um, they got us into the exact same things. We spent all of our time together, um, you know, in all the rituals and all of that. Um, and they pretty much got us to, to believe that we were twins. Um, that, um, you know, giving, giving in the, in the, um, rituals, um, to kind of cause another, like out of body experience in a way, like, well, you're her and she is you and, um, just cause a lot of confusion and, um, it, it just was really to, to add another level of um, causing a, a confusion of what's real and what's not and what they say is real and what we think is real is not, you know. Um, um, I, I, they bonded me with her but also caused us to really, really hate each other. It was like the evil part of me, they said, would hurt her and then the evil part of her would, would hurt me. Um, but if we stayed into the denial, it was like another um, reinforcer of the denial. If we stayed in the denial, then we wouldn't have to hurt each other. Um, one of the biggest things that I've learned um, through this journey is that they really used my Jesus, my um, heart, my the, the pure heart that Papa God gave me against me and so that was the most tormenting things when they would make me do things to other people and I would be willing to really do anything to, to keep from having to do that because um, it was like a leverage that they had 
My goodness. So they really pitted you against any possible relationship. With, with, and yes. it was the same thing that they did with your so-called brother. Absolutely. Yeah, anything. They wanted me to think that I was completely alone. Absolutely alone. That I couldn't trust anybody. My goodness. Now, uh, this particular person, this girl, uh, what was the situation with her parents? Do you think they were actually her real parents or was she in the same situation as you? I think it's, yeah, I think she definitely was in the same situation as me. I know that her um, programmer, the, the lady, she was uh, the secretary at the school. So she was what they called the gatekeeper. Um, she made sure that no one came in or went out. And she also, you know, was in charge to let people know if certain if one of the victims needed more programming or, um, you know, what she had a lot of power as far as being able to, to say, well, this, uh, to judge how their programming was holding up. My goodness. And, uh, so, so they did this with, um, this individual whose um, mother or so-called mother was definitely a programmer and in on the whole thing. Do you think that there were children at the school that were completely oblivious? Yeah, I definitely believe that. I believe there was children that were just normal children that have no idea uh, and adults as well. I really believe that. Um, they just, they didn't have any idea that um, just like people today, you know, that there could be that level of evil that, I mean, they know there's a Satan, but they don't know really how the depths that he uses to try to deceive and trick and destroy us. You started gymnastics at the age of what was the purpose of that? Um, really with that was to, to put another programmer because um, he was very, very um, big in the, had a huge massive trafficking business. A lot of girls coming through there. Um, and then he would do a certain type of programming as well as far as the girls that would come through um, his gym. Um, it took us to um, a camp where there was, I mean, I could tell you these names and you would know, probably know who they were, but they were German instructors and they did a lot of torture and a lot of program around, um, you know, just, just the gymnastics um, of saying his biggest thing would always say is perfect practice uh, means perfect. And so it was just another thing of you have to be perfect, you have to practice, you have to be good enough, um, you have to perform. And so they used that 
to, to calls, um, you know, just another level of having to perform and to be perfect and to, to act. And there's, you know, I hate to say it, but the reality is in every, in every, um, we say the Derby or, uh, the NFL or, um, gymnastics you know at the high level there's evil people I mean there's good people and then there's evil people and they use what they have and there's girls that they can use and torture and I mean that that that's definitely what was going on and was gymnastics something that was ongoing for you or did they only do that for one year no that was um all the way up until I was in high school and then uh, they put me into cheerleading because the cheerleading coach was a was a programmer so it's they they controlled every single moment of my day and every single person that was in my life um, I was never around anybody that was not meant to be there goodness and uh the other children at the school um you don't remember or I, i'm just asking do you remember any of them ever just you know casually reaching out to be your friend um just being a normal person and saying hey would you like to play with us or something like did, or that was somehow was it kept from you uh, now, what would happen if anybody ever reached out to me, they would say, oh, now um, I just want you to know they're going to purchase you later on today, so they're just acting like they like you. Or they're, they're actually somebody, like if it was a, a, a kid, another kid, they would say, oh, well, they hate you, and, um, you know, they're actually going to torture you later on because they hate you. So it was constantly, if that ever happened, which was very rare that they allowed that, um, that's what would be said to me. So, you know, I've been, this has been since infancy, so I just believed anything that they said because I, I didn't know anything else. That makes sense. That makes sense, my goodness. Now, uh, okay. So you said uh, that your family went to church, uh, that you know you went to school, you had a house, whatever. Uh, what was going on with the church situation? Well, um, they want you to have like a salvation experience. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that, it's... <laughs> It's definitely not what salvation really is. Um, what they call salvation is, is they show you a uh, video of, you know, Jesus and what he did, and then they rape you and say, see, now all of that was for other people, but this is the only way you can be saved. So they would show me that, which I believe without a doubt in my spirit, and they're stupid to think, but literally stupid to think that it didn't do something for, you know, something down in my spirit, because it sure did. Um, but they would torture me about every aspect 
of what, you know, the crucifixion, the, you know, all of that. There was all types of um, rituals all about that. But they wanted to, um, to see if there was anything inside of you that wanted Jesus um, because they hate that. And that's what they want to destroy mm. more than anything else. Um, it's just like right now, I just want to make aware that there's tons of warfare and tons of rituals. This is the biggest ritual uh, time of the year because they hate the death of Jesus and the resurrection. So there's tons of murders that go on right now and, you know, to really be praying for people. Now, I have a question about the pastor of this particular mm -hmm. church. Uh, was the pastor in on this as well? When I was really young, he actually wasn't. And um, he um, started kind of getting close to me in that speaking to me. Um, and of course they didn't like that at all. Mm -hmm. um, they hated that he would even speak to me and they could see that there was something that was, they, they can tell if something's kind of getting through about Jesus at all, you know? And, um, so they, they absolutely hated him. And so they really, really, um, did everything that they could to get him fired um, so he actually was let go, um, and they did a lot of things to program me against him. They would show me pictures of his face um, while they were raping me. They would show me pictures of his face while they were, you know, torturing me, doing the execution and all of those things to get me to not have any good thoughts about him at all. Um, um, so, um, my program, she actually had a key to the parsonage um, where they stayed. So, and if they knew that they were going to be out of town, then they would take me there and actually do rituals there. And um, they were able to get him fired and um, really put in a level of, of programming and hatred towards him within me to, to get me to, you know, not to allow it, any confusion as far as like him uh, being good or anything like that. Wow. So your family was planted in this town. They were attending a uh, Baptist church. They they were infiltrating that church. Exactly. And 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 the the original pastor that was there had no idea he was being taken down by professionals. No, he had no idea. I mean, he just thought that they were, you know, just normal a normal family he didn't have any any idea at all but they were definitely put there to make sure that he was taken down and once they did take him down 
the next person that they brought in, was that someone that was under their control? Yes. My gosh. And of course, I, I guess this would have been a Baptist ordained minister. Right, right. And they actually had a handicapped daughter that they had to put in the hospital. So another level to make me kind of to have bad feelings and hate that pastor, um, they, you know, told me that I was that kid, that they, they, that pastor is the one that told me that I had to be in the hospital with all that torture and everything that I had gone through. So, Mm. you know, it's just more to, to make me believe that, that he was bad. Wow. Now, um, you mentioned that uh, you were living across the street, essentially, from a cemetery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you mentioned that it was re-traumatization. Every day you got off the bus, you had to look at it. Boom, there it was in your face. Press repeat. But I, I'm, I'm going to take a leap of faith here and, and, and say there was probably more going on with the cemetery than just re-traumatization. Right. Absolutely. Um, they actually would, he, Randy, they were in charge of all of the um, burials. So they had every opportunity to switch the bodies uh, to cover any tracks that they might want to cover. Um, so, you know, that was another reason why they were doing that. There was a headstone that they put in there specifically. They said it was because, um, she had, um, said that she had carried a child and I had actually murdered it. And so there was a headstone there of that child. So it was just another way of trying to remind me that you know, that I was evil. Um, it was, you know, an opportunity for the, to, to cover their tracks of the things that they had been doing. Mm-hmm. Now, was this particular cemetery, uh, do you believe that it was um, used in rituals as as well like it it, uh, um like did they do them at night or was it too public for that um i think that the area where it was um it was too public for them to be able to do that but i do know that they use uh cemeteries to kind of channel and demons to be a um kind of a spot where they portal in demons so that was another main reason why now can you tell me from your understanding of things why a cemetery would be ideal for channeling demons what is it about a cemetery that makes that um a real thing well um i mean there's lots of human spirits um and there's lots of um Death, um, destruction, when the person maybe was murdered or, or 
um, it, it carries kind of an open door that gives them the ability to use that as a portal more. Um, I mean, that's, it, it just op it opens a lot of doors uh, for the enemy. It, it's death, you know, and destruction. And then, um, you know, a lot of times they use the parts of the bodies and things like that um, as a sacrifice. Now you're, you're saying something very interesting. And okay, so um, we're just going to go there. I, you, you know, because Hope, I think. Um, I, my audience is basically used to the fact that I'm just going to say it the way it is and I have enough people that are saying the same thing to make a case. You mentioned the human spirits there. Now, that is absolutely not allowed in traditional Christian circles. You can't say that there's humanity um, left on earth once someone has died they're either fully in heaven or fully in hell, end of story, done. But, you know, I've, I mean, and, and we've talked about this on my program before from different angles, even in the work that I've done with many survivors, uh, we've found Jesus taking parts of people who have already passed away out mm -hmm. of the systems that is the subconscious, the internal constructs of, of those that are survivors getting delivered now. Um, we have definitely um, seen that, well, <laughs> death is not quite as simple as we have tried to make it as believers. As a, as a matter of fact, and this is where I go often. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Well, that language is really important to understand because, yes, while it does provide a premise for saying, you know, there's no such thing as reincarnation from God's perspective, um, that judgment is really the great white throne judgment, which happens at the end of the book of Revelation. And... Mm -hmm. It is appointed unto man once to die, which is when they die now. There's a lot of gray area between those two events, death and the white throne judgment. That's uh, a lot of gray space. And and that's where the weirdness happens. That's where the weirdness. And this, this is because I remember I was first exposed to the idea of, okay, cemeteries can be a very weird place. When I was reading some African witch doctors and their accounts of how they did stuff in the spirit realm and they would talk about cemeteries and very openly say they engaged uh spirits or souls of dead humans mm -hmm. in the cemeteries and i said bah, bah. you know because <laughs> this is before i began to to deal on this level and to talk with people that dealt on this level one-on-one -on -one and found confirming witnesses and the bible says out of a, a mouth of two or three witnesses let all things be established folks i can tell you we have a lot more than two or three witnesses on this subject of human spirits, uh, pieces of human uh, soul being left um, in different c uh, situations after the body dies. I, I, I want to know, however, Hope, what you mean um, when you say that from what you've experienced. Well, I, all I know is that is whenever we would be taken to the cemetery, um, they would call forth human spirits 
and they began to speak um, and you know I heard them um, and you know give them information that they didn't know um, so you know I I really believe that there's humans that haven't gone where they're supposed to go yet. I mean, and I think that they're going to get judged at the end. The ones that chose evil, they're going to get judged and they're going to go to hell for eternity, but they haven't gone there yet. Folks, you're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. That's what you get. That's it. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, uh, I, I'll tell you what, Hope. It, it takes a lot of guts to say some of this stuff. And um, there are going to be a lot of people that are unhappy about this. But I, I'll tell you, uh, you know, like I was saying, from my personal knowledge base, I don't think you're off on this one. Yeah, I I know that the things that I tell and say are a lot of people are not going to believe it or think, that, oh, that's crazy. I mean, I was programmed that <laughs> when I would, you know, if I ever told that people would think I was crazy. and But I don't care anymore. I want the truth to be out in the open. I don't want anybody else to have to go through what I've been through, and I refuse to live in the darkness, and and I choose to tell the truth about what I've experienced. Believe me, I wish that I had never have gone through all of this. It would have, I, believe me, but unfortunately, I did, and it it happened, and it is happening, and some things are hard to believe, but. I guarantee if anybody that is having an issue with believing anything or struggling with it, if they will just ask the Lord, okay, why am I struggling with this? Or what am I afraid about this? Or what do you have to say, Jesus, about this? That he will always show them the truth. So. <laughs> the, and the truth is stranger than fiction. It really is. <laughs> it is. It is. We're, we're much more being affected by the spiritual realm than what anybody realizes. Now, um, I, want, I want to get into a couple more things at, what, what, before we run out of time on, on this particular installment. And, and folks, uh, Hope's going to be back because we're, <laughs> there's a lot more as you can imagine, um, that she has to say. Uh, but the next thing that I want to get into is um, this baby that Regina carried. Mm -hmm. Well, um, when I was about eight, she was carrying a baby. I mean, I now know they told me the whole time that it was actually their child. Um, of course that I wasn't ever chosen. So from the beginning, they were trying to cause a 
you know, a hatred towards this child, like it was chosen and it was important and it was pure descent from the Illuminati and not mixed breed like I, I you know, I was. Um, but they forced me um, to be uh, this child's handler, um, to be there, you know, when it was born and they told me I was um, his mom. Um, and and how the, old were you? I'm sorry. Eight. I was eight. This was at eight. Okay. And so I, you know, I, I didn't know because all I known is you know DNA put in this and that, and you can have there you have a baby, you know, and um, so there was a, an intense love for the child, but a, a also. A hatred to too because they um, gave me like I had to take care of them all the time like every second I had to take care of them but then they would also torture me to torture him um, so pretty much they would say now he's gonna go to hell if you don't electrocute him so mm -hmm what is the worst for me I had been through hell so I knew hell was a lot worse than electrocution so I chose the electrocution so um, this was the worst because I loved him so deeply because I was with him all the time and took care of him and you know my heart from Papa God like loved him but then also I hated it because I was being forced to hurt and then I hated myself even more you know my goodness mm. and so this is when you were eight now did the person that posed as your brother was he he, he was present as part of that family unit through the whole mm -hmm. time you were growing up yes okay so there was three of us did he have anything to do with the baby uh, yes, he did. He didn't have the bond like I did at all. Um, there was more of, um, they kept him more disconnected from all of us, um, except for um, we were kind of the the couple. Like, we were Jesus and, and me, supposedly Mary. That was my role. Mm -hmm. And then this was a child, so... Um, Supposedly, it was supposed to be like a union there. So they did a lot of the, uh, like when they would do the rituals around the cross where they would put him, uh, the baby up on the cross um, and be torturing him. Um, as Mary, I would have to have sex with the people around to kind of rescue him. Um, because see for me sex was the only way I could be saved or anybody else could be saved through me so my gosh uh, folks uh, we're talking about what really happened mm -hmm. and what happens this is uh, this is an inside view into what we don't know but 
what we need to know in order to truly understand the world we're living in. The world is never going to make sense until we understand what is actually happening and what we're being blinded from. And this is a this is it. I mean, this is a lot of it. You're hearing it. Um, now, the last thing I want to get into before we, you know, uh, conclude this interview, and, and of course there'll be more in the future, has to do with um, you being uh, different kinds of queens within the context of school mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, general social life. I mean, which seems kind of interesting because usually they they will prop up a person that say has the title of queen is the most popular or whatever, but they kept everyone away from you. How how did this all play out? So, you know, I very much played a role, you know, this perfect princess role my whole time in school and, and everywhere. That was my role, you know, this perfect princess southern Kentucky girl. And... Um, you know, when you do that, people can begin to, to, especially in high school, like idolize you, like they don't know you in any way, shape or form, but they see you. And if you perform correctly, then they want to be you, you know, but in my situation, I was living hell, but I was definitely tortured very in a certain way to pr- pretend to be this this perfect princess and so you know the the system like in the school is it's like whoever looks good enough is going to be the queen you know whether it's band queen or basketball queen or homecoming queen for me I was in all of those so I was voted band queen I was voted basketball queen um, because people saw me in the certain light of this you know, perfect family, perfect life, you know, but uh, they never ever allowed me to be homecoming queen because um, they they had already programmed me about home, um, like I was too evil. Um, for me, home meant that I was just the sex object. Um, and so homecoming meant uh, you were perfect, and they did a lot of program around bringing me to, um, you know, to climax and all of that to get me to this perfect persona with denial, and um, it just um, was built over, you know, years and years and years. Um, and they did a lot of that program through, like, the Wizard of Oz, you know, There's No Place Like Home. Uh, that's a big, huge uh, Illuminati phrase, you know, home meant the climax, home meant sexual. Um, and it, there's just a lot uh, to the whole Wizard of Oz. It's a huge programming tool. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, so, okay. Folks, here's the deal. We're talking to Hope because I'm going to tell you something. Hope has 
found a savior in Jesus Christ. Yes. As a matter of fact, the only reason she's able to talk about all of these things um, in the way she is it, it, it is because of the journey that Jesus has taken her through. And now she's sitting, sitting with me and telling you what she went through because you know, there's a lot of you that are going to connect dots. You're going to get answers that you've been looking for by hearing her story. And uh, no pun intended, you're, you're going to find hope. Um, with that said, we're going to conclude this program. But before I do, Hope, is there any final words that you wanted to say before we end this interview? Well, I do want to say that I know as I'm sharing, there's not a lot of emotion uh, one thing I do want to let people know is that I've already, all these memories I've already gone through with Jesus. Um, with, I call him honest Jesus because he's always honest. But um, I've already gone to all those places and he's brought truth. And so that pain has been healed. Um, and so that's why I'm able to share it um, because he's brought healing and deliverance in those areas. And um I just really want people to know, if nothing else, that they'll know that um, there's really nothing too difficult for Papa God to rescue us out of. Like, absolutely, there's not anything at all. If you look at my story and, and know without a doubt a tangled, twisted mess that he's able to to really rescue anybody from anything. Amen. Yes, he is. Amen. Um, folks, with that said, some of you may be wondering, does Hope have a blog? Does she have some kind of book? Anything like that? The answer is not yet. But as far as I know, she's <laughs> working on one. Until next time, you've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. God bless and Godspeed. Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall is the premier radio program designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program has been a production of Bride Ministries. You can find us at www.bridemovement.com At our website, you can contact us access resources, and support us with donations. We need partners in order to continue to produce our vision, which is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. Partner with us and be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed.